0: Welcome to the Love Fly Podcast. Paul is our Fear of Flying Coach, and today we welcome back Captain Steve. Welcome back, Steve.
1: How are you doing, sir?
0: Very good, very good. Yes, uh, so Steve, thank you very much for agreeing to come on this because, as you know, Steve is on quite a lot of the podcasts because he works with us at Lovefly. He helps run, he's on the 30-day programme, he's on the live recording, he's even in the on the live webinar at the end of June, depending on when this goes out. Steve, I just thought it would be interesting because we've mm-hmm. talked quite a lot around different things and a question that's been in my mind and I asked this again to a different captain the other day. It's okay, not being replaced. No, uh, oh. I asked
1: this to it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's been very insecure then. <laughs> no,
0: not at all. No. I so, say, I say, a question that I think I, I like asking pilots is why aren't you scared?
1: Oh, good question, Paul. Yes. Why aren't we scared? I guess the bottom line to answer that in a, in a really uh, sort of one sentence is that phrase, knowledge is, is power. And because we understand exactly how the theory of flight works, and how airplanes work, and how they're made, and what the backup systems, etc., that, that's that's why we, we I guess, we, we trust in our tools. Great. Well, so, thanks
0: ever so much for the podcast. That was brilliant. Uh, really helpful. So, <laughs> tell us a bit more about that, <laughs> because the thing that I thought was that one of the Programs that nervous flyers run is the sort of catastrophizing, the what if, what if, what if, you yeah. know, imagining the worst case scenario type thing. Mm-hmm. And you go into simulators, and you've watched footage and listened to black box recordings, and you've you've literally been involved with all of those worst case scenarios. So obviously, historically now, mm-hmm. um, how do you? Manage that I mean you think you've got all that responsibility of having all those people on your aircraft. I mean <laughs> it's just yeah. I mean you you fly you're on the 787, mm. which holds how many now?
1: 264. Yeah.
0: So how do you how do you manage that? So you've got all of this wrestling, you know, that responsibility and all this kind of stuff you've seen and thought about.
1: Mm. Actually, uh uh, it's actually quite easy to uh, manage 264 people or, or if you're on bigger airplanes, you know, the more people you carry because you're looking after number one. So if you look after yourself, then everyone's coming with you and and we all do. And I think I've said to you on previous podcasts that um, my favorite destination is home and life is just completely wonderful. And uh, I wouldn't jeopardize that for anything. So doing this job as a career is um, is know not only rewarding but uh i wouldn't do it if if i knew that it was you know unsafe and it isn't because this is the industry that um as i've said before and previously that um how they put airplanes into service before it ever gets you know to flying passengers what it goes through and the relentless sort of testing of the airplanes before you know they they get released to commercial service so that's one thing so you, and again, you can Google all those and how they they make airplanes and test them and try and break them deliberately. But going back to your question about how do we manage having seen lots of you know the air accident investigation programs etc. Yeah. So the the fortunate thing, I guess, is um, as you know in history, any time there was an accident, they they find the the black box mm. like data recorders and they relentlessly. Uh, look for those, and as you know, probably the, the the longest one in, I don't know if it was history, but um, that Air France one, it took them three years to find it because they weren't going to give up because they didn't understand what would cause the accident, etc. So the the benefit that we have from that is no accident is ever repeated. So it, if it is a situation where it requires extra training or understanding, then that gets circulated to all the airlines by the air. Uh, Plane manufacturers. So let me ask the the, we the, the question.
0: Yeah, no, I've got I've got to ask this question because I know there'll be a nervous flyer listening to this going, yeah. But in the meantime, if they the did not meantime- know what happened, and there was three years and those aircraft are all flying around, isn't that then dangerous?
1: Yeah, no, and and that that uh, how can I sum that up is because so. The one airplane that's involved in an accident, there's hundreds of those, even thousands of those around the internet, so there's nothing happening to those. So, you do know at that point if, if it's not an airplane fault, it's not a construction fault at that point because there's thousands of other airplanes flying. You can see what I mean, is mm. it if that makes sense? So, as we learn from if there's no other faults, you know, because obviously everything is, you know, maintenance records are just like pilot records, you know, they are absolutely scrutinized and they have to be maintained at all costs because, you know, the authorities are always looking at those. So, you know, if nothing nothing is being flagged up, then then it won't. So, unfortunately, those rare accidents that have happened, and if they are bizarre, then it's often, as we know, sadly, a very long chain of events that have caused, um, you know, human error uh, to, you know, to occur on that day. So, going back to why do pilots then still go back to work the next day? Yeah. Is we know how these aeroplanes work. You know, they, they don't break, you know, aeroplanes don't just fall out of the sky and they don't break up in midair, which I know for the people that are scared of flying, that, um, that doesn't sound <laughs> loud, you know. Well, we, we do. And we know going through all our training, what's involved, you know, we've said on our previous evening, you can't break the wings off, you know, they don't bend, they don't, you know, well, they do bend they flex but so they don't snap off you know because they're not glued on etc etc but we know the theory of flight as well and putting an airplane into the air you know air you know gives the the wings lift you know mm. do we need engines no we don't you know we can glide etc etc so, so that's the first thing we know that airplanes like to fly they're built to fly and Secondly, all the training that we do, the relentless training before we get released onto the line is just scenario after scenario. after scenario. And, you know, at critical stages of flight and we get the most heinous, you know, severe scenarios thrown at us. And you have to pass those in order to to have your uh, and, and, you're,
0: and you're guilty of that because you're actually an examiner, aren't you?
1: <laughs> I, I do. I put people in as well. so. Uh, but not only that but i have to do it as well for every 6 months for myself so and i get things thrown at me but so, so
0: that's an interesting one was it cuz so you you're r- running like these training programs as a training captain mm. uh, which i always have a bit unsure of the terminology there cuz it doesn't sound like it's like a training captain sounds like yeah like I could like like tr- yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> like just started
1: deliberately- <laughs> yeah
0: but a training <laughs> captain so look so you're putting together all these programs you're putting together these sim details and sort of thinking right we're going to take them through this and they're going to have to go through this pass or fail and then you you go into it does that do you get still get nervous at all?
1: No I don't get nervous so in in many ways you look forward to you know being challenged that's the best way I can put it because you you want to um, succeed so you, you know it's just something you're so used to you're used to being put in under pressure, you know, sometimes it's time pressure, sometimes it's, you know, a critical stage of flight that, you know, requires, you know, certain pressure pop building. So it's just a challenge, but you know that you will come out the other side because you're Mm -hmm. trained to do it. And that's the, that's the beauty of it. You know that the scenarios that we we give it, that they're all, because we're trained to certain levels, you can survive them, and that's that's exactly what testing of airplanes is all about. Before they get released to line, is because they put them through the most heinous things that that can happen. Mm. And of course, there's certain things that we don't produce, and some of the horrible accidents you've seen on TV that you know they, they were caused by something completely other than Mother Nature or a failure of a system on an airplane. So, and, and those things, you know, needless to say, we we can't ever train for and there are certain things that have happened of late so
0: what what so, what
1: well I'm talking about yeah. one in Germany so you know the, those things if people are scared of flying you, know, you can't you know that that's something you can't train for so that's mm-hmm. like you know we get in our cars every day and and or walk along the street and of course those horrific things that have happened in the last few years where someone you know drives a lorry into a crowd of people well you, you can't there's no amount of when you do your you know, uh, you learn to drive and stuff you're driving test. So there's no amount of training or avoidance that you could ever envisage that that would ever happen. So, yeah. if that, so I'm talking about the control of an aeroplane. So, if we lose engines, if they you know, if engines go on five, we lose hydraulics, electrics, etc. really critical stages of flight, we're trained to recover those because that's mm-hmm. how the aeroplane is is built. You know, it has so much redundancy. So it just gives you confidence in in, in your tools and and aeroplanes are, as I said. Before and made way far better and stronger than any other, like the automotive industry, etc. Let so, me
0: ask it another pain in the butt question then. No, how, okay. how can you how can you stop yourself getting overconfident?
1: You, you don't because you you can't allow egos to come into this job at all, and that would believe me that would be ironed out very very quickly. And also, um, if you began your career with an ego as a youngster. You will make mistakes because your ego will get in the way, and that has happened. I've seen it over the time. You know, being lucky enough to, to sit where I do, and you do, you see someone slightly overconfident in it, and yeah, there's you, you deliver them a, a scenario, a pressure pot scenario with a failure in it, and all of a sudden, with it, uh, they're eating humble pie because they realise that actually, <laughs> you have to remain professional, and uh, yeah, this is all ironed out
0: in the simulator and in the training, I'm guessing by the sound of it.
1: You know, it's just like I said before, on our previous course, when we talk what do pilots do in order to get you know to an operational line. You know, it's a relentless, relentless mm. training that will be ironed out. Uh, and you can get people over the line. You know, it's very rare that people don't you know get over the line. So some people do. You know, it's and the odd failure over the years. You know, but that, that's often due to something else rather than their ability. And you can train them through things that they that they they may find. You know too challenging themselves, so it's yeah. Luckily, we have the what's gone before us. You know, I, I don't want to use the term guinea pigs, but they are because you know that's that's just how aviation has evolved. We, we're so lucky now to have such incredible redundancy in the way technology is, is advanced that how reliable just engines alone 99.9999 percent, you know, reliable. So, there is no other industry that requires such a you know level of redundancy in that in that way
0: what about so engine failure on takeoff i don't know like flying over water at night none of the nothing like this all these normal sort. of so you can't see bugger all like you look out the <laughs> window well i assume you can't see very much but none of this worries you
1: no absolutely not no um we're trained, you know. We have a thing called instrument rating, so we don't actually need to see see outside. So we can fly solely by the use of instruments, which is which is very good. Obviously, we need to see the runway that we're taking off on, and that's it. Because there's no such thing as an automatic takeoff, but we have an automatic landing, you know, which we use in fog and stuff. So we actually don't ever need to see the runway that we're landing back on when when the weather's like that. So that's just incredible. But you know.
0: can you imagine that one day there'll be a case where you'll have single pilot? operation because they've got so much tech
1: they're talking about it yeah it i don't think personally i don't think it's going to happen in in our lifetime but that's that's just my own thought because it is capable i mean that you know there's military jets flying without pilots at the minute as as we know but would i think it would ever happen on a commercial aeroplane i would have thought um although it is it's probable and it's and it's possible but i'm not sure that the the paying public who want to know that they're flying in a in a tube with with no one at the front yeah. I, I can imagine so yes
0: yeah, so it does i'm not sure i'm a big fan of that
1: yeah yeah and and, and all that. i mean it's you know they're talking about autonomous buses and cars and things like that but yeah i'm i'm not uh, i don't know i think the infrastructure is not in place for for anything like that Right now.
0: Maybe not in our lifetime then, Steve.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah. When they do levitation and hoverboards and that will... You know, talking about flying cars now, you know, which, again, are are in existence, but who's going to fly them? You know, presumably only trained pilots would be allowed to fly them. You're not going to allow, just because someone can afford these things, which I imagine they're going to be extremely Mm. expensive, you're not just going to let (laughs) anyone just, you know jump into their James Bond car and off they go in Little Nelly and that's not going to happen because safety is paramount and you know that will be an extremely regulated sector if if that does happen.
0: Yeah because we think about how much training and regulations in place for you guys you know compared Mm. to say driving a car you take it you do your car test and uh, we always say this i know it's apologies for repeating but you know you do your driving test at whatever age you do it and that's it yes you no know, there's no other retesting there's no uh, at least with the motorbike license in the uk you can only get to a certain cc and then you have to wait a couple uh, of years and then you can go to the, like there is a bit of a step change but right. you've got yeah. you're in charge of a killing machine yes uh, and like a you know half a ton yes. of metal and yeah That's it. One test. And and yet you're getting tested every six months on your ability to do it and getting all the worst case scenarios thrown at you.
1: Yes. I suppose
0: you're not a nervous wreck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what it is. It keeps us on our toes, to be honest. And and that's why you don't, you know, going back to what you just said, uh, why you don't get overconfident, because we know every six months that our our licenses are on the line, you know, for two days we're, we're going to be tested and that license needs to be signed again. So, yeah, we've spoken to before, like incredible industries, you know, like surgeons and, you know, and again, just a bit like that years ago that they they passed, you know, uh, having done seven, eight years, incredible study, but they don't get tested again. And that's Mm. that's an interesting thing, because you think about how incredible their skills are and how much everyone in the world will rely on them, you know, if needed. It's incredible. They're saving lives, which is just, you know. The fact that they're not being put through a simulator every six yeah. months is, yeah. is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So I know we're operating heavy machinery in that, but um, that's a proven fact that, uh, that these things do work and they don't just break and they don't fall out of the sky. And that's why training is just paramount. It's never, you know, things that we're doing now every six months weren't even in existence in, in training when I first started 32 years ago. You know, we, we've well, discovered such so a. As- well, the, the way we can fly procedures, you know, we, we've made them you know, much safer. We've made the way we interact now uh, in the flight deck. And weird enough, talking about the medical industry, that they've actually adopted what we started uh, years ago, the aviation industry, you know, started as CRM, Cockpit Resource Management, you know, now Human Factors. Mm-hmm. But that's now spreading across other industries that require um, people to, to behave, <laughs> you know, to, to interact properly. And, uh, and there's so many behavioral trigger points now that um, you can recognise when, you know, people aren't working together or, or, you know, or having problems as a team, etc. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's... Yeah, yeah it's, it's useful
0: great. stuff. So those who have, who have one research is the human factors stuff is around human performance, really, isn't it? And the airlines were fundamental. I think it was the 80s that it probably started. When it, did. it Started doing the, the human factors. And what this is saying is that, you know, we are, we're fallible, we make mistakes, which is why mm-hmm. you always have two pilots and, and th- little things you'll notice. I've seen this when they and I've watched simulator training. And I've like, lo- I love the way that you communicate with each other. Like, nobody touches anything before checking with the other person. When they have done it, they confirm it. And it's yes. all that kind of verbal thing and the other thing I like is that thing about positive stress and and unhelpful stress is that you you know the place that you work I think they call it eustress where you're Mm. able to be fully function you're very aware and alert but you're not Mm. overloaded and it's recognized and what you try to do in the simulator is overload people to see what they can still communicate because communicating and hearing goes doesn't it
1: It, exactly that yeah and you're right. We, You're just a bit of a bastard,
0: really, aren't you? Just <laughs> sick man.
1: We used to get marked. You know, for example, you used to you know do a a scenario or a, a manoeuvre. We have to do we have to do certain manoeuvres. You know, as part of your life. And, and you used to get marked out of, for example, one to five. You know, one was was good, and two, three, four, and five. And you know, you, you'll you'll be doing extra training if you get to, but now we don't have. There is no mark. You don't like O levels and A level. Oh no, let's show my age. Uh, what was it called now? Oh, it is A level still, GCSEs, A star, or whatever. We don't have those markings. We have nine competencies, nine pilot competencies, which are worldwide for, for every airline now, mm. and it's an industry standard. and And those competencies are, as you say, things like situational awareness, workload management, leadership, problem solving, etc. Mm. And you can absolutely identify using one of those competencies what someone is is uh, displaying well or needs. Machine somewhat.
0: Is it nine of them you said?
1: Yes, yeah.
0: this it's an international thing. It, it, Everyone's using them.
1: But it's very, very um helpful psychology that's been introduced into you know to to recognize, as you say, we are humans at the, end of the day, because we have the most wonderful equipment, but we're human beings and we're operating this this equipment. And so we need to be aware of what our limitations are. And, and that's just <laughs> incredible how that's evolved over over the years.
0: I'm still sort of taken back to that because I think uh, when I sat in the flight deck and obviously you've not just arrived and that's it, you're plumped in there. I look at all those fuses and oh my goodness, you know, you, and, and the days when I uh, worked briefly as cabin crew, we had you had sort of flight engineers and so there's like a whole panel next to them. So two people managing all of that, it's just, a, oh, it looks so overwhelming. And then you've got all those people behind you that you're responsible for. So I wondered, how do you get, you know, you said, right, you look out for number one. We'll bring you back to that point. How do, how do you sort of, how do you just stay calm and not sort of have that overload? I, I just, I'm really curious how you do that.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, you don't know, do you? I, I don't. It's, <laughs> it, it, it comes natural. And I suppose that's why people choose that, that profession because you wouldn't be uh, wanting to embark on that career if if that is something that did freak you out somewhat that you think is if I speak to uh, any of my colleagues or maybe any pilots listening, I don't suppose you would be being uh, scared you yeah, listen to this yeah. but um, <laughs> if you were, I'm sure they'd all agree is actually you don't think about it because you are you are literally you know as I, as I said before, because you're looking after number one, if you like, who's the most important? on the airplane and anyone listening going well I am of course (laughs) you are in your own entirety the fact that the pilots are looking after themselves and well the captain is the one that signs for the airplane and ultimately you know you look after number one it it is your responsibility but it's not being a blasé thing to say you don't think about it because it 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 just doesn't come to the forefront of your mind because Mm. you have so much to do and you know you're busy doing what you do and and that's it isn't crap i mean don't get me wrong you know i i'm like anyone i can stop and watch an airplane take off and fly you know and just and and it's still amazing i, I don't think there's there's not a pilot in the world that just it still goes wow you know even though you understand the theory yeah. behind it, you yeah know, but when you see a, a 747 or a, the, the the a380 you know those huge airplanes of 500 tons you know when it lifts off the ground you just think now that's impressive you know mm. because it spectacle but we understand how that works and why it's possible but it's still a joy you know to to watch because it's a a wonder of science isn't it so all I can say is when you're actually at the controls of one of those things you don't have time to to appreciate you know what it is because you are literally just it's you with your hands on these controls and you are looking after number one and that's you know you're, you're going safely from A to B and therefore everyone comes with it, but I hope that's not a too simplified way of saying it but it really is mm. so
0: do you think there's a certain type of person that so you know a better question might be can anybody be a pilot or does it take certain personality types
1: anybody can yeah you, you can be trained to the if they have obviously the ability to pass the the standards required but absolutely anyone could you know go into um well anyone could go down a flying club and and take what they call a trial lesson and, and find out whether you have the aptitude to obviously. What is a, the
0: aptitude? Is it a sort of, because I've well, always wondered, it, is it sort of a certain way of what brain wiring? Is it like a, a kind of a, a hand thing, hand-eye thing? What, what is yes,
1: it? that's what we call it. says so the hand-eye foot coordination. So you'll you'll know early on. I, I've spoken to, to people who've said, oh, I did a trial lesson once and then I said, absolutely loved it, but just couldn't do it. I just, just could not tell my, my hands my feet and 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 my brain to, to work in one thing so yeah it's a bit an analogy is, is a drummer so mm. you've ever as you know in fact i either wanted to be a drummer or a pilot when i was when i was a kid and if you have a go at doing the drama, it's it's amazing you know with your feet and your hands and your and the tempo and everything is is uh, it's quite something to, to oh, I, so because you're using all three faculties at that point and you'll you'll soon know during the the aptitude testing of, of embarking on a pilot whether you actually have the ability to to control your hand eye foot coordination early on but if you do then 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 that's trainable you know that's it's not very It's a bit like sport isn't it you know not everyone is so uh, you know skillful to, to to take sport to a certain level because you just don't have the, the coordination so it's so,
0: interesting. So, there's this there sounds like there's not, some innate I, stuff.
1: Myself, not everybody can, but you, mm. you are certainly able to try, and that, that's for sure. So,
0: yeah, so it sounds like there's some innate stuff, but also, yeah, yeah I suppose if you've done a lot of sports, played the drums, uh, maybe yeah. you'll have you, you might have some aptitude. You might you might yes. be you might have the aptitude and not know it, or you yeah. might have the desire and go along and realize, actually, it's not for me, I, yeah. I just can't do it.
1: No. No, exactly. Personality-wise, there is no trait of one personality. There are absolutely there's just so many different personalities flying aeroplanes. And I think when we were all growing up or people watching films, they often <laughs> portray pilots as um, sort of the top guns and, and all that kind of, you know, they, they portray them as, but they're not, believe me, that's, that's just dramatising. So you're
0: going to burst a bubble there, I think. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. I know. Um, I'd like to say it looked like Tom Cruise, but sadly it's yeah. <laughs> I'm taller than him anyway.
0: Well, that's something, isn't it? Yeah, okay. That's something, you yeah. know.
1: Oh, if you're listening, sorry, but I think you're great. Anyway, but we're not all that stereotypical, you know, old Kazanski, old Val Kilmer. We're, we're not we're not like that with big shiny teeth and so it's quite funny when and I have to say, when I first started at 21, I was quite surprised because I, I often thought, well, they're all going to be like. You know, those old war movies and John Wayne <laughs> and stuff like that. But incredibly they're not, because there are just so many different personalities. Incredible, all from different walks of life. You don't have to have done any, you know, astrophysics at uni or anything like that. It's just whether you have the aptitude, the coordination, and the ability to to operate under pressure. And and it is an incredible melting point, melting pot of different personalities. But The one common denominator is they're all trained to the same standard. That's that's the bottom line.
0: Yeah. So when you get on, so that's that's a good point actually. So they're all trained to the same standard. I've asked this before, but I just think it's quite. So you you get go off on a jolly. You're not flying Virgin. You're flying somebody else. Yes. They land into the UK. Do you worry? Do you research them? Do you look at the weather? Or do you just what do you do when you're going to do a flight as a normal person?
1: No, as a normal (laughs) person. So everyone flying in and out of the UK or any major airport around the world, they're scrutinized by the authorities. So each country won't allow any operator into your country. They will only allow known operators that um, achieve certain standards. And that's why you don't need to, to um, contemplate whether one is better than the other, and mm. you know, a low cost or whether, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So,
0: so you um, don't worry then you get on a flight you don't think about it
1: no no in fact I'm probably a it's a bit like a, a bus and holiday for me but I just I'm not a good passenger as in as in get on with it. can we get there <laughs> right do you, <laughs> you ever sit I,
0: there thinking oh I don't think that landing was very good or not and I think this oh, approach. do you ever, do you sit there like or do you just switch off completely
1: completely switch off yeah yeah just uh, you know you just, I just just I, trust I, I, I often look around and look at the reactions of people, because you know, because, um, you know I, I as a passenger, you know, sometimes you know, whatever landing it is, and you look around, and either people are clapping or or, or shouting expletives across the cabin, going you know, a polite way of saying that landing was unusual. was always
0: because chuck- cabin crew used to wind up the pilots and say, "Yeah, Jesus, that was a hard landing," was it? Well, we shot down? You know. For start <laughs> yeah. to- but it, it, I, I can't imagine how difficult it must be to touch down when you're so far away from, your, from the
1: wheels. I don't yeah. know how you do it. I mean, it's just no, phenomenal, no. To, you know, to yeah. do those gentle kiss the runway. <laughs> yeah.
0: How the hell do you do that?
1: Yeah. And as, as we've said before on previous courses, you know, actually a good landing is a, very, is a, is a firm landing, you know, which is people in, in, the, in the back going, well, I'm not going to fly with that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> batch shower again because actually they're not it's just knowledge is power and and a good landing is a firm landing so perhaps people listening now can actually go next time and and you think it's people think it's some horrendous sort of arrival into into a runway you know a controlled crash it's not so if it's firm you might actually reverse your psychology and go, oh that was a good one then that's mm. what Steve said on the podcast so and we, don't get me wrong. We all, you know, as pilots, we we love to, you know, kiss the runway, you know. It's a, and there's there's just certain circumstances that will allow you, you know, to do that. And a textbook landing is a firm landing.
0: <laughs> well, that's good to know because yeah. I've seen in the in the Love Fly Facebook group that people. I've said, oh, I had a really firm, you know, it can be things that triggered them, you know, and mm. this misperception thing. So we took off and then there was this massive deceleration. So we yes. talked about that before, the fact that yeah. Yeah. it's not, it's just a sort of a quieting of the engines and yes, oh, the noise. You know, we had a really bad landing and that can be triggered. So knowing that a firm land is a textbook land is really helpful for people. What about doing turbulence? And just to sort of reiterate, turbulence, rubbish weather, lightning, you're in the aircraft. You're flying it. What what do you make of all of that, if anything?
1: Nothing. We we um, it, it's just mother nature. You know, uh, I've been doing this for 32 years, and and I've been involved in all sorts of weather. That's just mother nature. But it doesn't stop you. W- what's what's the the fra- um, the weather's not going to stop you going forwards, if you know what I mean, A to B. So we we obviously plan routes. You know, and we have systems that we will avoid, you know, certain weather, but some weathers we have to fly through. But it turbulence in, in answer to your question is that's something that will never stop an aeroplane flying. So we don't sort of hold off and go, we're not going to go any further, we'll we'll just go around in circles. We just we fly through it because we know it's not dangerous. It's just uncomfortable. It's an yeah. uncomfortable experience for people mm. who who don't again a- appreciate what's actually happening to the airplane. So you know the air hasn't disappeared over the wings. The lift is still on the wings, but the the air is disturbed over the wings. That's what this causes that ripple effect, the cobblestone effect in your car, etc. But in answer to your question about what are we doing, we're not even thinking about. Oh, We're just we're just flying the airplane. You know, and we'll put the seatbelt signs on because it's uncomfortable. So it's better that everybody sits down behind us. So. I've said to you on previous courses as well, sometimes you get a call from the cabin, go, can you put the seatbelts on? <laughs> oh, is it is it bumpy down there? <laughs> because sometimes, you know, it, you, it, it's not an event, if you know what I mean, you know. Yeah. And I, and that's talking about sort of light the ripples, you know. And at the very front of the airplane, sometimes, you know, that's why first class is at the front. We've spoken about that before. Mm. At the back of the airplane will feel it you know more so that's because well, we, we,
0: we recently did a one-to-one course together with uh, this particular individual who wanted some help we used a commercial simulator which steve yep. flew and one of his things was about turbulence and so mm-hmm. i was quite surprised we set it I mean, this the commercial simulators are just mad, madly good, aren't they? It's just like when you're in there, it's like an air, it's an aircraft. It's, it doesn't feel any different. Yeah. But we set it to severe mm. because he was worried about just general turbulence. And and mm. it was amazing how what well, you actually get you once you know, nothing's gonna happen mm. and you mm. sit, watch the altimeter and nothing's changing particularly much. But it moved no. a bit, didn't it? But it was no, over exactly over in a real- distance, sense. like a like a, waves of. So like over like right. ocean waves wasn't it so sort of moving like that and uh it was i think it was really helpful but it's very hard to visualize that when you're
1: no it, nervous you know it, exactly and we demonstrate as you as you know and um, which again you do on your courses i know we were at thirty-seven thousand feet and we we put on severe turbulence when i and i explained to that gentleman that in 32 years i've probably only had that five or six times you know that's what how rare it is but when, when we engaged severe turbines in the simulator what we were getting him to do was look at whether you know the wings aren't rocking you know side to side they just as you say it's that porpoising effect so then I disconnected the autopilot and then I turned the airplane as if we were turning after takeoff or coming into land etc and I said you know this is what the airplane's not doing you know with 30 degrees of bank etc and I think that's what really helped him because he suddenly realized actually no it's not you are maintaining an equal Level flight, albeit pausing. You're not dropping out of the sky, which is this, you know, the fear yeah. that I'm yeah, having. and people
0: feel like it is, but there is a feeling rather than it reality, is. isn't
1: it? And, and yeah, and that's the bit about the inner hairs in your ear, you know, as a passenger, because you can't mm. see forwards, etc., is, is making it feel ten times worse than it actually mm. is. Hence, why you you asked originally about you know what a pilot's doing in turbulence, but well, because we can see out the window, we we are not feeling what you're feeling. You know, we know you're feeling it, but we don't feel it because yeah. we can. We can see forward. So when I'm a passenger, I feel turbulence just like anyone else that might be listening. But I know what's happening. So, yeah. and because turbulence happens on every single flight, you know, I, I, I'm sure people wish. Okay, how <laughs> we've been asked, haven't we, before? You know, how can I guarantee that this one flight there's not going to be any turbulence? Is the answer is you can't. So, and it's that's impossible. And I don't think there's ever any flight that I've ever been on from A to yeah. B that hasn't. I think
0: turbulence is a a proof of the power of the air when you think about it, because when you're looking out the window and people have described it different ways, you know, Dom used to say it's there's custard, you're in a bowl of custard and someone else describes it like you're in jelly. And so, you you know, the the jelly will move, but the aircraft's intact. Yes. But when you're looking out, you just can't see anything, can you? So I think so turbulence actually proves. There's power there, isn't there? There's, that's it is. that's what's holding the aircraft in the air, you know, and it's just it it's proof. It's just going in. A, it's a little yeah. little reminder, but not so much so that it's a problem for us.
1: Exactly. Yeah, the air is not going anywhere. It's, it's always there. It's omnipresent. Hmm. That's a good word, isn't it? Very, it very
0: good, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know what it means, but it sounds amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, let's it's been really helpful just to do this. So I was really curious about how you kind of do the mindset thing. And so that's helped with that. If you had to give your sort of like big top tip for those who are thinking about, I need to get over this fear of flying. What's your, what's your main message or your, you know, the big, yeah. The big piece of advice.
1: Well, I, I think what I, I always say on the, on the court is um just if you can stop and think about the people that are at the front of the airplane and think about are they human beings like like yourself? And the answer to that, of course, is yes. So the men and women that sit at the front of airplanes now, they have lives and most of them will have families, whether they have their own children, but they will be part of a family. And they 're not going to jeopardize that this this is their career it's not some big uh, experiment that's going on for this particular day that they're trying to get you uh, onto your holidays that's not that's not the case the people at the frontier European have lines and they've chosen a career that's without doubt the most safest form of transport in the world Barnum and we've done all those statistics before in in, in my you know on courses where it's it's far more dangerous to drive a car or walk across the road, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you can just stop and think about the people that are at the front of the aeroplane, they are just like you. They eat as well. Do they, they eat? And drink. <laughs> they do. And breathe the <laughs> same <not> so. air, <laughs> They do. They have to get up in the morning and they have to uh, deal with all sorts of things in, in life, just normal weather. But the work they do, and I know it is different, and people, but it's not an experiment. And they are the most highly trained professionals that have been through... An enormous amount of you know, and it goes back to the thing when, when you first come into an airplane flight, that it, it is it's daunting because you see all these hundreds and hundreds of instruments, but because they've been through it for so long and repetitive, repetitive, it it it's their office, you know, that they know how that's working, but mm-hmm. it, it is it's daunting. So if you stop and think about it, it's taken them years to get to that point, where taking you on holiday, and the good thing is when they take you. To your destination, on they want to go home at the same time, and they're not going to jeopardize that. So they they just wouldn't. And so if you think about the knowledge they have, and they're doing it because they understand it, and they know that these machines work. That's my top tip. Awesome, awesome,
0: Captain Steve, excellent. Thank
1: you, very much. <laughs> and, and lovely to see Again, you. I hope I'm not. I hope I'm not. It's, it's, you know, I'm not. Not simplifying it, but it really is that something If you, you just, if you can just bring yourself back to the level of actually just understanding that that they're human beings doing this, and and they're not the people you see in Hollywood movies. <laughs> no, and we're not going into war. We're not going into any combat. <laughs>
0: just... So, would you get so on that note? Then uh, you get on board the aircraft, and uh, you, the PA comes over and says, "Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. It's, uh, Captain John Travolta." Would you listen on that flight?
1: Well, the problem with that is all the women would then run to the front and try and get into the cockpit. I'm sure at that point. Too. Or maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. You know, maybe yeah. men and women. I think. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, go not rule out. us. luckily, he's got the uh, bulletproof Kevlar door uh, so to keep them out. But uh, so when it's, I see, so because he's an example of somebody that's done lots of pilot training, isn't he? And I think he is like, trained. I think.
1: Not only that, I I think it's fantastic. I love listening to he, um His home, I, I, I think it's in Florida. I'm not sure, but um, he actually has a runway, and his his garage is, is a ter- <laughs> is a terminal building. Is it? It's a jetty, and he flies a. It's a seven o seven. I think it's an original. Is it Qantas? I can't remember. But um, and he wears his uniform. And he looks a bit. <laughs> How cool is that? Pull up to your aerop- um, your house in your airplane, not park in your car, your Ford Sierra. Yes. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just switch off the 707. It might be a bit noisy if he leaves early in the morning, I guess, for the the other family members, you know, if he's firing mm. up a 707. But, mm. but yes, no, there are people like that. And, and that's right, and it's great, you know, he's he's utilises money in a in a very different way. So it's but incredible. But he he's not flying those aeroplanes, by the way, because he's John Travolta. Uh, and a flying school just went. Oh my goodness, John Travolta's here! You know, here's a license. He also had to go through every single training course that that we do. So he he's no different, and he has to maintain his knowledge, and he will have to um, be tested every six months, just like any other pilot. And it's not because he's a he's a famous uh, Hollywood actor. So yeah, thank
0: you. Cool guy, Captain Steve. Thank you very much, sir. And the uh, pleasure. So we've obviously we're working together on the uh, live webinar at the end of June, depending on when this goes out. Yeah, and uh, we're going to be running those more. We've run quite a few over the last few years, haven't we? And Steve's on the thirty-day program, and also uh, pops up some of it, my answers in the Facebook group are often words that I've taken from Steve's mouth because I, <laughs> if I get piloty questions, there are quite a few pilots that. But like your mate, Pete Legg and Dave Mabbitt, they're in the group as well. and They sometimes answer. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, Steve, for all you do. And um, thank you for your time today. as
1: well. Absolute pleasure. And uh, to anyone listening, you know, just good luck with, you know, pursuing your endeavour to uh, cure yourself of, of, you know, anything that makes you fear flying. But, you know, stick at it because it's there to be enjoyed.